Good morning, everyone, once again. Thank you, uh, Peg, for the children's moment. Uh, Thank you. um, I'll get it. Thank you, Linda, for the reading and Laura for the music. Yeah. So good morning, everyone, once again. Uh, Thank you, Peg, for the children's uh, uh, message for all ages and and Linda for the reading, Laura for the music. Our hearts uh, cry out and God hears. Our souls call and the universe responds. We live from our deepest longings, whether we're aware of it or not. And uh, others who share that longing find us. That's the realization that I had uh, this week at the First Church, South Church Bible study. I won't go into all of the complicated details of the biblical exegesis. We really have a wonderful time at our Monday Bible study, 3.30 or 3 p.m. on Monday's Zoom link. You can find it in the first edition. Please join us if you want to find out all of the details. Uh, but uh, we, we arrived at, suffice it to say that during the Bible study, we arrived at what was, for me, a new understanding of fishing for people or fishers of men. Um, Just um, for a little context, um, I was probably like some or many of you, I was taught this story from the time of Sunday school. Uh, You know, uh, I Will Make You Fishers of Men was a favorite uh, song. And there were emotions, right? I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men. And it was fun. And uh, I fished as a child. I had my own tackle box and fishing pole. And I would uh, somehow, I don't remember how I did this, but I would manage to ride my 10-speed tackle box and fishing pole, one in each hand, and somehow hold on to the handlebars down to the local pond, and I would catch bluegills. I would bring them home. I mean, this is how into fishing I was. I would bring these little bluegills home. I would clean them, and mom would cook them for me for lunch. And uh, so this whole image of fishing for people always puzzled me a little bit. It, uh, you know, it, I was taught, you know, that this was a story about evangelism, and it is, but um, the image of casting bait and luring fish and, and reeling people into a boat, just, I didn't understand how, I didn't understand how that fit with the bigger story of Christianity and loving and respecting people. I mean, for, uh, you know, for the fish, I would take the, you know, I, I, 
while, while fishing for bluegills was fun for me, I didn't get the impression that the fish enjoyed it very much, if you see what I'm saying. But, you know, it was a grown-up thing, and there were a lot of grown-up things that I didn't understand, and so I was just like, okay, fishers of men. This is what we're supposed to do as, as Christians. Um, but uh, but what, what if there's another way to understand uh, fishers of men? What if it isn't just about uh, uh, Jesus... A call to us, but our deepest longings and God's response to us. Let let me go. Let me go a little bit deeper and clarify. Um, in the Sunday school version that I was taught, and you know, and how I have heard it for the past almost fifty years is Jesus is walking along the lakeshore, seemingly at random, or maybe guided by the Holy Spirit. He notices some fishermen, and he calls them. As Peg said, immediately they drop their nets and leave their careers and families behind and follow Jesus without question. And, you know, Peg mentioned it. It came up at the Bible study on Monday. It seems like, for many of us, it's, it's a hard image to relate to, just abandoning everything at a moment's notice because some person whom, you know, maybe we hadn't met before just said, follow me. Did, did they already know Jesus? Did Jesus have miraculous persuasive powers? That seems to be maybe implied by the text. Um, you know, but where is their hesitation? Where is their doubt? I mean, these are feelings that I relate to. And so it's a puzzle. But what if we flipped it? What if instead of viewing things from Jesus' perspective, what if we stood in the shoes of Peter, Andrew, James, and John? What if instead of a one-way call from Jesus to the fishermen, were, uh, that this call is actually a two-way street? The psalmist writes, as a deer longs for flowing streams, soul, so my soul longs for you, O oh God. What if, even if they weren't fully aware of it, Peter, Andrew, James, and John were longing for a deeper connection? What if Jesus sensed what was already in their hearts? What if Jesus was responding to their call? So I'd like to clarify this a little bit further by relating it to our situation here at First Congregational Church of Granby. Um, 
at First Congregational Church, where we've been for some time now in the midst of a conversation about our future. Uh, the good news is, is that we're feeling the heat. Uh, we know that things, something needs to change. We know that our situation is unsustainable. And, uh, and we know that hope is not a plan. We know that, uh, as, as we've said before, wishing won't make it so. Uh, and we've realized that and for some time, and, and we've, been, we've been maybe some feeling grief around that. Uh, and not just grief around that, but around so many things these days. We're grieving losses, uh, whether from current changes due to COVID, personal circumstances. I mean, personal uh, griefs continue to happen even during this COVID time. And some of it is just anticipating what the future might bring, what, what changes might bring. And, and change always brings with it loss. And all of us are at different stages in that grieving process, right? Uh, some of us, and, and those stages, they, they don't follow a straight line. We may feel anger, right? We may engage in bargaining. That's another part of the grief process, saying like, oh no, you know, uh, what if things don't totally have to change? Or maybe depression, just like checking out, like I'm done with this. All of those things which we can observe in ourselves and, and in our congregation, those are all just grief. And it's okay. But the but the call of Jesus warns us not to get stuck in any of those stages, not to get stuck in the past. Just like Peter, Andrew, James, and John, Jesus invites us to drop all of that and to follow him. And the good news is that many of us, you know, are doing that. And we're not just letting go, but moving forward and following Jesus' call and getting outside. I mean, COVID has, we're getting outside the walls and reaching new people. Today, we welcome four new members. We're planting the seeds of growth and our work is already bearing fruit even under these most difficult of circumstances. I'm not aware, I'm, I'm sure it's happening, but I'm not aware locally of any of my colleagues who are having a new member Sunday during this COVID time. So while, while there's this grief, there's also celebration. There are things to celebrate about our circumstances. Um, and our scripture today is not just about that 
that grief and that longing, uh, but it's also about hearing that call uh, to something new. Last fall, First Church and South Church did a workshop on what is your why? We watched a TED Talk by author Simon Sinek in which he explains the power of living out of your why. And your why is not not what we do. It's not how we do it. But it's that deep longing that compels that action. It's why we do it. It's our deepest purpose. He, at one point in the video, he talks about Dr. Martin Luther King's 1963 March on Washington. He describes how over like a quarter, over 200,000, like a quarter million people gathered on the mall there. And they came, they gathered, though there was no advertising, there certainly was no social media. They found their way almost entirely through invitation and word of mouth. And then Cynic asks a provocative question. He says, how many people showed up for Dr. King? And of course, when he, the first time I saw the video, I'm like, well, I don't know. Didn't you just say, <laughs> like, it was a quarter million people showed up for Dr. King? <laughs> and he answers his own question. He says, zero, zero showed up for Dr. King. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? They showed up, Cynic argues, for themselves. They showed up for themselves because Dr. King had this, his why, well, I, I think his deepest why was his love of Jesus and this vision of a beloved community. But, but in order to get there, we, we needed to solve the problem of racial injustice. And that why was shared by all of those people, by those quarter million people. They, they heard and they, they resonated with that longing and they said, that's my longing too. So they showed up for them, for themselves, because that's what they wanted for themselves. They longed for freedom. So were, were they responding to Dr. King's call to racial justice or was Dr. King responding to their longing? 
who was calling whom. When God calls Moses from the burning bush, God says, I have seen, yes, seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. Their cry have I heard in the face of their slave drivers. Indeed, I have known their sufferings. I think, first congregate, I think, you know, we've been suffering here. I mean, all uh, to be human is to suffer, okay? So let's just... <laughs> That, that's just the nature of our existence. No one is without it. It's nothing to be worried about or ashamed of. Uh, it's something to be explored and, uh, and, and talked about and, uh, and so that we can find a way for healing. And at First Congregational Church of Granby, in person, we've, we've been suffering here in particular ways for a while. I mean, we've, we, again, we've talked about this. We've, we've noticed our Sunday school isn't what it once was. We've noticed the worship attendant isn't what it once was, and we miss that feeling of life and energy and all of that sort of stuff. So what if this call that's coming to us to, to drop our nets, to abandon our boats, to, to leave the familiar and to join a new adventure, whatever it's called, collaboration, consolidation, whatever you want to call it, whatever it might be, is not some, is not some like defeat to be ashamed of, but rather simply God responding to our own cries and longings of this church. Something to think about. But for me, the, the good news is, is that our hearts, though our hearts do cry out, and though we don't always see it, right away. God hears. When we operate out of our deepest longings, the universe responds. So that is the, that was the kind of flipping the script that I, that happened at the Bible study. It's not just that Jesus was calling It's not just that Peter, Andrew, James, and John responded to Jesus' call. It's that Jesus was responding to them. This this call to abandon their old lives and to come on a new adventure, that was Jesus' response to their suffering, whatever it was. We don't know what their hearts were longing for. We have learned in the What is Our Why workshop that our why comes from an ancient pre-verbal part of our brains. That's why it can be so difficult to 
actually put words on what our true why is. That's why in the words of the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for human words. Maybe that's why we don't hear about, you know, the backstory of Peter, Andrew, James, and John and what was going on in their lives that might have led them to drop everything and follow Jesus. Maybe that's an invitation for us to put our own why into the story. And that's why Dr. King was such a powerful leader, because he could put words to the deepest longings of the heart. So this morning I invite us to once again, uh, I, I invite you to touch into your why. Uh, the exercise that Peg led us through, the, the, the kind of breath prayer, is a great way to do that. And by the way, don't do it once, but like Peg was saying, do it every day because there, there, there are, there are always, there's always more to learn and to discover about what our heart yearns for. Our joint First Church and South Church Y exercise revealed that our combined Y is, and I'm putting two of the top words together, uh, inspire love. And Cynic argues that when we live fully out of our why, others who share, this is why it's so important, uh, that we live fully out of it, that we articulate it as best we can, so that others who share that why will find us and join with us, like the marchers found Dr. King, like Peter, Andrew, James, and John found Jesus. So my encouragement to all of us this morning is to live your why. I invite us to be fishers of people, not by luring them and hooking them and all of that sort of stuff, but by living out of our deepest longing and and just letting that animate us and guide our lives. For when our hearts cry out, God hears. When our souls call, the universe responds. Because the kingdom of heaven is indeed very near. Amen.